Welcome to episode number 8. We are reading chapter 8, Leaving Rehab for Good. We are reading page 64 to 67. Enjoy. G'day folks. Welcome to the Crashing Into Potential podcast. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about resilience. That is getting back up after you have been knocked down. My name is Scott B. Harris and I'm the author of the book, Crashing Into Potential, Living With My Injured Brain. It's a memoir that I have written and published that outlines my story of resilience after a major motorbike accident that nearly took my life. This podcast is designed to take what's inside of me and bring it out so that you can feel motivated to crash into your own potential. Brace yourself because the podcast is about to start. Welcome back. Welcome back to episode number eight. Um, we are reading chapter chapter number eight. And this, this chapter is a very, very short one. It's only three pages long. I don't even know how this is considered a chapter. Why it's considered a chapter. But it is, uh, and it's called Leaving Rehab for Good. Uh, I guess it was, uh, guess it was a quite a short time. It was only a year in between when I left for rehab and when I left the rehab for good, and when I when I departed on my trip around the world, which is cha- uh, which is part number two. So yeah, this is quite a, quite a small chapter for the day. So let's get into it. I want to start off by showing you my gratitude for you taking the time out of your day to listen to what I have to say. Not sure if you knew this, but time is the most valuable resource that we can never get back. Never, ever, ever get back. So I really appreciate you spending your most valuable asset listening to what I have to say. Okay, we are up to chapter number eight. And for those of you who are reading through in the book, we are up to page number 64. This chapter is called Leaving Rehab for Good. And the quote that goes with this chapter, Nobody can go back and start a new beginning, but anyone can start today and make a new ending. By Maria Robinson. After three years in rehab, it was finally time to take another step back into reality and say goodbye to the place that saved me from eternal darkness. Epworth Rehabilitation in Camberwell. Almost three years to the day that I was wheeled into the ABI ward, I could finally run out the door and back into regular life. I will be forever grateful for what everyone at Epworth did for me, and I can't give them enough praise for the part they have played in my recovery. They have become my friends forever, and I know that, that whenever I go back in to see the folk there, I will be greeted with open arms. I was actually at rehab the other week for an appointment with my neuropsychologist. So I walked through the old stomping ground to say hi to everyone. I saw, the fi- I saw my physiotherapist who was working with an older gentleman. The gentleman was playing with a wooden peg game that he loved. He played with it every session. Well, they flipped it over and in messy black handwriting in the corner were the words made by Scott Harris. I had built this man's favourite game while I was in an impatient in 2009. It's such a good feeling knowing that my spirit lives on in the one place that I am so grateful to have been a part of. 
Leaving rehab didn't mean I was finished with therapy, not by a long shot. It just meant that I was changing to a higher level home program, which also meant a change of therapists, again. I now did my physiotherapist sessions down at the local park with a therapist named Sean Smee. Rochelle, my exercise physiologist at Epworth, hooked me up with Sean thinking I'd love working with him, and she was right. So along came my new therapist, and with him came new ideas and new goals. As with my other therapists, Sean wanted to know what I wanted to achieve in 1, 3, 6 and 12 months time. I told him that I wanted to be able to run continuously for 5 kilometers. Near the end of my time at Epworth, I started to run more and more. This was great because this is what normal people could do and I was getting closer and closer to joining them. Along with this came more strain on my leg which caused aggravation to my right calf muscle. My muscle was getting to the point where I could not run more than 50 meters without a sharp nagging pain. Either I had to put on a brave face or we had to work out what was wrong and when I say we, I mean Sean and me. This was the first time I was introduced to botulinum toxin, commonly known as Botox, the wonder drug for the aging population trying to stay young. In simple terms, Sean suspected that my calf was overactive and working too hard, so Botox was used to pull the reins and slow it down. I had Botox injected by none other than Epworth's professor, John Olver. If there would be anyone I'd want to be jabbing my leg with Botox, it'd be this guy. The first time I had the, tre- I had the treatment, it worked like a charm and eliminated all the pain. After about two months of running, the pain came back. So, along with that, came more Botox. The second round fixed, fixed the problem for good. Throughout 2012, I spent my time exercising in the gym and running laps of the park near my house. This was the fittest I had been in my life because all I was doing was striving for my goals. I was eating incredibly well and exercising non-stop and without any toxic alcohol going down my throat. I was on top of my game. Sean and I were very conscious of my calf pain during this time so I was not allowed to run more than three days a week. On Mondays... Wednesdays and Fridays, you can find me down at the local park or at the local oval, rain, hail or shine. But Sean wanted to see how I went on the treadmill down at the gym. We're on page 66. To let you know how that went, I want you to imagine that drunken toddler I described earlier. Well, imagine them on a treadmill. Fail. I couldn't seem to get off level one because my balance just wasn't up to the speed. I decided to grin and bear it and continued running outside. Over the year, my my coordination picked up slightly and in late September, I decided to do a 6km fun run to achieve my goal. As soon as the gun went off, I was left for dead by all of the other competitors. I knew I was slow, but I didn't realise I'd be that slow. I was running at 10.5 minutes per kilometre. As a kid, I was always competitive, so to be clearly losing this race by a country mile mile was a bit humiliating. I had the blinkers on the the whole race, just concentrating on my feet. One foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. This was going around and around in my head. I finally finished the race in one hour and three minutes. 
Everyone beat me. Men, women, boys, girls, runners, walkers, everyone. But I was still proud to see how far I'd come. The goal for me now isn't to win, as it had been during during my whole life before the accident. It's about doing the things I once imagined I would never be able to do again. If I was to concentrate on winning, I would be utterly disappointed because I can't do that anymore. Instead, I now appreciate the fact that I can still participate in life in some form or another. If my motorbike had been a little to the left or a little to the right, five seconds earlier, five seconds later, things may have been very different from what they are today. I strive every day to prove to myself that I am capable to live a life I always imagined I would. This used to be different, you see, because before my accident I was, I was happy where I was, but not striving for success of any sort. The accident pumped a motivation into my life, something I was lacking before, motivation to achieve great things. And that is the end of chapter number eight. We are now up to chapter number nine, overcoming depression, and we're on page 67. I'm just going to read you that uh, that short uh, the, sh- the, 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 the paragraph of the next chapter, uh, just to see how my reading's coming along. Today, I felt my reading was quite. I mean, it was a very small chapter, but it still felt uh, felt really really slow still. And last night, I I had oh, incredibly bad sleep. I woke up, woke up at about two thirty in the morning, and I didn't really get back to sleep. I kind of dozed in and out of sleep, but I wasn't fully asleep um, from about two thirty onwards. And I got up early, as I always do. So, really, I think I'm just a little bit tired today. Um, okay, so chapter number nine, first paragraph, unedited. In May 2009, I became an became an out. In May 2009, I became an outpatient of Epworth, and my rehab was reduced from 25 hours to 12 hours per week. This was around the same time that my mental my mental. This was around the same time that my mental state really started to decline. I started to fail. I started to fall into a deep I started to fall into a depression that would go on and I started to I started to fall into a depression that will go up and down for the next couple of years. I guess that wasn't too bad but um as I do every week um a little bit of a little bit of magic behind the keyboard and I could make that sound pretty good. All right, that's it for today. Uh, if you have anything to say about this uh, this chapter this week, uh, hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, or any of the other socials. You know where you'll find me, at The Injured Brain. And if you haven't done so yet, please hit the subscribe button so you don't don't miss an episode, and so you don't miss when we get up to chapter uh, get up to part number two, part two. I'm really looking forward to that because there's so many things that happened on my trip around the world 
that I really would love to share with you guys. There are so many memories that I've got. And for a guy that has a memory problem, there are a surprising amount of things that I do remember from my trip. The reason that I have these memories is because different parts of the brain are responsible for different different types of memories. Your working memory or your short-term memory, the day-to-day the, the -day memory, the moment-to-moment -moment memory, that is uh, the, the part of the brain that's responsible for that is your frontal lobes. So your frontal lobes, I guess, protect the rest of your brain. And the frontal lobes are the two that I got damaged and that happens a lot in trauma um, when when you have a head-on contact the first part of the brain that goes is the frontal lobes the long-term memories and the and the explicit memories the memories that uh, that get stored from the the things that you do and the actions that you take they uh, that they all those memories get stored deeper inside of the brain in the hippocampus. The hippocampus is the little penis-looking part of the brain, which is deep within within your brain, and that that part of my brain was not affected. And I guess that was because the the two the the two frontal lobes were protecting the deeper parts of my brain from any impact, and that's. That's why I can I can remember quite well the steps that I took around the world, and I can remember the things that I did and the people that I met, and there were just so many things that I that I remember, and I actually surprised myself when I think about it, and I surprised my myself on how much I can in fact remember. Another reason that I remember this is because I had a journal and I wrote in the journal every day about about the things that I did because I one day sorry when back then I thought to myself maybe maybe I, I would love to revisit this 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 whole trip down the track and hey one day I might even write a book about it I thought well luckily I did keep a journal because that has come in very handy when I wrote this book and when I was when I was reading through all of my journal posts um, the things that I had in, uh, had put in in my journal that just sparked so many different memories of other things that I hadn't written down. And it just, I basically, when I read through that, um, when I read through that journal and every single, every single thing that I wrote, I can, I can just, I can remember the exact moment that I was writing that and I can remember the exact feeling that I had when I was writing it. And it really is, uh, it's such a great thing. So if you, if any of you ever go traveling around the world, I strongly, strongly, strongly urge you to keep a diary, keep a journal on the things that you did because it is so much fun when you're going back over it. Now you don't have to like I, okay, honestly, I didn't, I didn't write down every single day. Um, there was. I'd say probably on average I've wrote down maybe five days a week. There weren't, uh, I tried my hardest to write down everything, everything, everything that happened. And when, when I had not written down something for a few days, I'd gone, I, I would sit down and I would write down a whole bunch of things that had happened in the last, say the last week. And Sometimes it was even sometimes it was even uh, writing things down in point form, 
and then later on visiting that and kind of elaborating on that. So that was how I, I think we're getting a little bit off track here, um, that was how I um, remembered uh, a lot of the things that had happened around the world. Anyway, really looking forward to that, um, but not until we get through the next couple of chapters. The next one is called Depression, and if you're studying this chapter in my in my VCAL program, all of the artwork that was done, uh, that's been done in that uh, that chapter, was by Simon King at Custom Line Tattoos. Uh, Custom Line Tattoos is a tattoo shop here in here in Melbourne. Uh, so yeah, if you uh, if you want to give him a follow on Instagram, you can find him at Custom Line underscore Tattoos, and you'll see all of his artwork. Okay, that's it for this week. See you next time. So that's it for today. If you liked what you heard, hit the subscribe button so you do not miss an episode. Better still, hit the subscribe button and leave a review. See you in the next episode.